Hello, and welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. My name is Nick Shaw, and I'm the Communications Director at the church. And this week, Pastor Craig brought a challenging and inspiring message for us all. There's something for everyone in this message, so grab something to take notes with, and let's get right into this message titled, Back in Business. God has a word for us this morning. How many are ready to receive God's word today? Are you ready? If not, we'll just let another guest get up here, all right? Uh, Because I believe God's got something for me to share with you this morning. I'm excited to do that. Today, by the way, also is a great day for you to take a step forward in uh, Growth Track. Uh, It is the first Sunday of the month, and so therefore Growth Track is available on this first Sunday. You can complete it in four weeks, and so uh, there's nothing anymore that I would love for you than to find your niche, to find your way of purpose in this world, and Growth Track will help you to do that. Everyone that comes out Growth Track sings its praises And uh, I know you'll be the same way. Today we're going to look at a book of the Bible called Exodus. It's right at the very beginning of the Bible. There's the book of Genesis at the front. And then this book, the book of Exodus, we'll get there in just a moment. Uh, I want to talk to you about a life of a man that you've probably heard about. And we're going to hear something I think the Lord would impact our lives with today. How many of you during this whole pandemic situation have uh, looked at places of business and uh, their doors are shut, they're not answering their phones, and uh, maybe you've asked the question, when will they get back in business? Have you found yourself asking that? I've been asking that. Uh, and there's some places that sadly are, are some of my favorite places, especially where we typically will vacation, that are permanently closed. They're, they're not going to open again. They're, they're done. Their shutters are closed and they will not be back. And when I thought about that and I thought about how some of us, can be that way. That some of us, we've allowed, listen to me, this this pandemic to shut us down. Okay, now I know that that there's cause for concern and I'm not belittling uh, all the horrific things that have happened as a result of this pandemic, but I, I wanna say today to somebody, it's time to get back in business. It's, it's time to get back in business. And in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to find the comeback kid, all right? Uh, Moses, I believe, is the comeback kid. Only what we're going to see is he is far from a kid, all right? He, he is far from a kid when we pick up this story and when his story really takes off which is in Exodus chapter three and verse one. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. How many can say weird, right? That's, that's odd. That's not something you see every day. And in Exodus chapter 3, let's skip over uh, because the, the bush starts talking to him. So it gets a little more weird. How many know that? Right? It, it gets a little more strange. And, and so in verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about 
their suffering. Let me just stop here and say there are times when you may be tempted to think God doesn't care, and I want you to know he does care. There, there may be times when the enemy will say, God's not, he, he doesn't care about you. He's not listening to you. He's not gonna hear your prayer. And I want you to know that the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. And, and what he will do is he will tell you lies. And I'm telling you right here that the people had suffered, listen, for, for a long, long time. And, and as a result, God speaks and says, no, I, I hear them, and I'm going to do something about their suffering. I'm going to take them to a better place. Look at verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up. Somebody, God wants to bring you up today. God wants to bring you up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and how many know the, um, the, uh, the worst thing is the, what, what's that called when you get, get that wrinkly skin stuff? <laughs> Cellulites, yeah, that's the worst one, right? He didn't name that one, though. He didn't name that one. But, but all these other ites, he says, I'm going I'm to take care of them. You're, you're going to have to do something about your own uh, skin conditions and different things. But, but I'm going to take care of your enemies for you, all right? So here's my challenge today. Here's my challenge is get back in business. Get back in business Get back in business. Look at verse 10. So now, go. I am sending you. Everybody say you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Skip on down to verse 18. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know, God says, I already know what's going to happen. How many know God knows? He knows what's going to happen. He's not surprised. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand. How many are glad there's a mighty hand today bigger than your hand that can be at work in your life? And a mighty hand compels him. Verse 20, so I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go out empty-handed. I want you to know God wants you to get back in business today. God wants you to get back in the game. God wants you to get off of the sidelines. God wants you to get out onto the field. You've been sitting around long enough making excuses, allowing other people to take the front charge and allowing them to do things while you sit back. And today is the day God says, get up Get going. I am with you. My mighty hand is with you. My mighty hand is with you. And I want to say, you are needed. God can do it without you, but he won't. God chooses to use us. And here's what happens. Many of us disqualify ourselves. Just like Moses did, we, we disqualify ourselves. We say, well, you know, don't you know there's a worldwide pandemic? 
Don't you know that there's all this stuff going around? And don't you know that it, it's not time to get active? It's not time to be in the forefront. It's not time to, to do some things. But I want you to know God's purpose for your life has not been put on pause because of, an, of a pandemic. Did anybody hear that? He, he did not pause your purpose for a pandemic. He knew it was coming. And, and here's the thing about Moses. If you know the history of Moses, Moses is born at a time in which the Egyptians were afraid of the Hebrews. They said, they're, they're multiplying. They're like rabbits. And, and they're just, they're getting too big. And one of these days, instead of serving us, they're liable to revolt. And we're gonna be in trouble. So here's what we need to do. And listen, this is not too far Way back in history, you can look in modern day history, they say we're, we're going to have to control the births. We're going to have to control the births, and, and what we're going to do is, is when these people have children, we, we need to make sure, especially the male children, we need to kill them before uh, they get to two years of age. We, we've got to stop this. We've got to shut this down. So as soon as you see the babies being born, you midwives need to get out there and you need to make sure you, you take care of these children. I'm telling you, God, God values life. Okay? And, and there are those in our culture today who do not value life. And I want you to know that God still values life, no matter how that life comes about. And, and so th this is the tragedy of abortion in our culture. And I just want you to say, as a church, we don't just bash abortion and just say, oh, that's terrible, and it shouldn't be, and whatever. There's a ministry called SOAR, all right? that this church participates in, and people in this church have been set free from the horrors uh, of nightmares and different things that have happened in their life because some people say, oh, don't worry about it. It, it's, it won't affect you or whatever. I'm telling you, the devil's a liar, and, and we need to be able to heal people. And that sore ministry is coming back around in September. So some of you maybe need to get signed up and ready to be healed and whole. And from this day forward, can't change the past, but you can change the future, right? You can change the future. So, so here, here's what happens, though. Here's what happens. All these babies, you know, and, and the midwives say, oh, these women, they just give, they give birth so fast we can't even get there to kill the babies. And they're like, what? And, and, and so finally, they're, they're trying to crack down, but Moses' mom can't, can't do it. She hides him as long as she can. And finally, she knows that he's going to get discovered, and they're going to kill him. But I just feel like he's so special. Doesn't every mom feel that way? And, and he's so special. And so she takes a basket and, and waterproofs it and puts it out in the Nile River. And by chance, how many know chance is when God remains anonymous, right? He doesn't sign off on it, and, and people call it, you know, chance or it just happened or whatever. But God, through the Holy Spirit, guides this vessel that this baby is in until it arrives at Pharaoh's daughter as she's come down to the water. And she falls in love with Moses and says, boy, I wish there was somebody who'd help me take care of this boy. And, and, and Moses' sister is, sit, is standing there. She says, I know somebody. And Moses' mom gets paid to be the mom of Moses. Come on, somebody. God has a sense of humor, right? 
And, and so she takes care of him, raises him, teaches him his identity. And, and as a result, Moses lives in Egypt for, 20, for 40 years. And then in verse uh, 11 of chapter 2, one day after Moses had grown up, here's what he did. He went out where he saw his own, where his own people were. He knew who he was. And he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And looking this way and that way and seeing no one. How many think you'll not get caught, right? Looking this way and that way. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. But how many know the rest of the story? He gets found out. Just like you got found out, right? Somebody snitched. Somebody had a ring button. Somebody had a camera. Somebody had their phone out. Somebody searched the internet, your history. You know, somebody found out, and you thought they wouldn't find out. But, but he's found out, and he runs to Midian, and he, and he winds up meeting Jethro and marrying Jethro's daughter, who is Zipporah. Hey, if anybody's looking for a baby name, there's one. There's one for you. Probably be unique, all right, Zipporah. And uh, so he marries her, and then he just takes on the family industry of shepherding, and for 40 years, and now he's 80 years old. When the burning bush experience happens to him. I want somebody to know that you are not too old and you are not too young and you're not too this or that. Race, age, gender, none of that should hold you back from God's purpose in your life. God has a purpose for you. So he calls him back in business at 80 years of age. And this is when we would make some excuses, right? Uh, God, you've got the wrong person. Or God, this would have been a good idea 40 years ago. But, but you must not have looked at my driver's license, you know? You, you must not be aware of my inadequacies. You must not be aware. I want you to know God knows all of your inadequacies. And he calls you anyway. There's not a week that goes by in this church that I don't feel like God called the wrong guy. I think, you know, God, you could have called somebody better. You could have called someone so much better than me, but that's not what God chose to do. God chose to call me, and God chose to call you and to do what God wants you to do, and when God calls, he enables. He enables. So whether it's serving and you're making excuses or giving and you're making excuses for why you can't do it or inviting and why you can't do it. We come up with all kinds of excuses. We rationalize, and, 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 and we think, well, you know, I just can't get the results that I'm sure God's looking for. And, and so, God, you, you, you're calling the wrong person, or you should have called me years ago. And God says, no, today. Today is the day. It's, I'm ready for you to get back. I want to give you three things today that I see in the life of Moses that help us to understand who God is and gives us the confidence to get back in the game. Somebody today, you're going to get up off that sofa, you're going to get up off that lazy boy, and you're going to get back to business. You're going to get back to the kingdom business of reaching people for Jesus. You used to witness. You used to share your faith. You used to get excited about church. You used to get excited about the things of God. You used to read your Bible every day. And God is calling you back. He's calling you back. Let's look at it. First of all, with God, nothing is wasted. 
all right? With God, nothing is wasted. I'm sure Moses looked back on Egypt and said, what was that about? 40 years I spent there. 40 years I was educated. Those people were the smartest people on the globe at the time. You know, 40 years I was there, and, and it just doesn't seem like it mattered. Now I'm doing these sheep, leading sheep around, just going, wandering around out here in the wilderness. How many know we can get discouraged? We can get discouraged, but I want you to know what's going in your life is not there to punish you. It may be there to prepare you. It may be there to prepare you for what God has. See, what Moses didn't realize, his life was going to be broken up into 40-year segments. Did you know this? Maybe they'll put it up on the screen. 40, 40, 40. Yeah. 40 years in Egypt. But what happened in those 40 years? Let me tell you something. In those 40 years, Moses learned how to write. Because the Egyptians at that time were some of the smartest people on the globe. They had invented paper, papyrus. They had invented paper, a way to transcribe words and put them on paper so they could be preserved and so they could be passed down to generations. See, Moses, while while you're in Egypt, it's not a waste of time because here's what you're going to do. You're going to write Five books of the Bible. Hello? You're going to write five books. How many? That's five more than you've written. And and he wrote five, the first five books. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the first five books of the Bible. And Moses wouldn't have known how to do that had it not been for those 40 years. And then 40 years of wandering around with sheep, dumb sheep in the wilderness. But let me tell you something. In 40, after that 40 years, he's going to come back to that wilderness. He's going to come back, and he's not going to be leading sheep. In some regard, he's going to be leading dumber things than that. People, about two million of them. And so this training, Moses, that you're going through, it seems like a grind. It seems like all I do is the alarm goes off and I get up and I go with those dumb sheep and I hang around them all the time. I have to manage things and get them over here to over there. And there's always that one. And, I'll, you know, it's always, some, always something. And God says, this is not a wasted time. You're going to develop a skill during this season. You're going to learn patience for one thing so that you can lead two million people out of the land of bondage across the wilderness to the land of plenty. How many know God is always on time, right? He is always on time. It is not a wasted season. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Can somebody say dieting? (laughs) Or exercise? Doesn't seem pleasant at the time. As a matter of fact, it's painful. But later on, somebody say later on. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want somebody to know that you think right now is a bunch of wasted time. I'm just going through the motions. I'm just getting up every day. It, it's not anything exciting. It's not these children are about to wear me out, you know, and I think, well, I don't even know that I'm getting through to them. I teach them stuff, and they forget it the next day. 
maybe the next hour, and it just seems like I'm wasting my time. I want you to know it's never a wasted season. God is working, always working, and some of us give up too easy. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm just going to say there are a lot of people who give up too easy. You know, this dream team stuff, I thought dream team, that'd be a dream. But I got to get up early, extra early, to be there and greet and, and to do stuff and coffee and preparations and teaching these children. Some of them need deliverance, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I know why their parents drop them off. I'd, I'd do that too, you know. Why they're so slow getting back here to get them again, you know? <laughs> Taking their time. <laughs> or life group, you know? I, I, I joined a life group and, you know, it's every, every week or every other week. Some of our groups meet different schedules and, you know, it's just always, you know, it's something to commit to and the night of the week and, you know, it sounded good to start with. And, and now, you know, I'm just telling you, any commitment you make will challenge you, especially those that are for your good. But they're producing something in you. God's preparing you for something. I remember when we pastored in Lebanon, Indiana. Some of you don't even know that we pastored in Lebanon, Indiana. We pastored there for, I think it was maybe almost a year and a half. Felt like 40 years in the wilderness. Okay? I developed spastic colon. I had to go to the doctor and figure out why Am I having pain? Why am I having this difficulty? What? My wife thought I was going to die. You know, I'm in my 20s. We've only been married a couple years, and now I'm going to die on her. <laughs> and, and she already had me buried everything, you know? <laughs> and because uh, I'd always been healthy and everything. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor says, what do you do? After he'd done all the examining and everything, then he says, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I pastor a church. He says, that's it. <laughs> so I, I'm telling you, honestly. He says, that's it. He says, you've got spastic colon. He says, it's a disorder that happens because you're, you're all wound up. And, and I, I mean, I'm having dreams about board members and stuff in that church. We saw that church go from 25 to about 125 in uh, about a year, and uh, then the fun began, all right? <laughs> Who is in charge, all right? And uh, I mean, it was something else. And I, I, I'm telling you, I had dreams. I had spastic cola. I started having to take medicine. It, it was crazy. And, and, and you can look back and think, well, what good did that do? You know, it wore me out. I, I learned I didn't want to be there, you know. And as soon as God released me, I was ready to go. But, but here's what I learned. I learned how to preach. That's the first church I'd ever. I, I've been a youth pastor before that. So I learned how to preach three times a week. I mean, they, they just had church as much as they could have church. And uh, so I learned how to do that. And a couple came into that church, got consecrated to God and committed in that church. And then we left and they got upset about that and uh, walked out of church. And um, the husband said, I'll never go to church again unless Craig White is my pastor. We moved up by Chicago lost sight of them and everything. We, through God's providence, came back 12 years later to start Crossroads Church. He saw the announcement, heard that Craig White's gonna be the pastor of that church and decided to come back on week two of this church. That family 
that couple have been here ever since and is one of our main leaders in our children's ministry for the last 20 years. Come on, somebody. No season is wasted. No season's wasted. You, you don't know what God's going to do. God's preparing you for something else. And, and so don't despise it. Get back in business. God calls Moses not where he wants him to be, but where he's at right now. See, God sees potential where you miss it. Here's the next thing. is with God, pain turns to purpose. All right? As a matter of fact, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right here. Pain can be the purpose. Because some of us wouldn't go to the doctor if we didn't have pain. And then we find out, oh, I'm glad I came. Right? Or, or maybe the pain in your marriage got great enough, you went to counseling, and now your marriage is better than ever. Well, thank God you had the pain so that it could get better. See, the struggle leads to the stage. Moses had empathy to lead the people of God because he saw them in their pain. He eyewitnessed it. It upset him, upset him to the degree that he committed murder. How many know that's pretty upset? You don't mess with Moses, all right? He will cut you, you know? <laughs> and, and when we heard Davy's story again, you know, the other week when, when Davy Blackburn was here and went through something I would not wish on anybody, I'm telling you there's not any more horrific thing that I think could happen to a human being than what Davy has gone through. Finding your wife at home murdered like that. But God has used his story. Instead of running from his story, he ran to his story. And as a result, God brought redemption through his story. And now his story is becoming your story and other people's story as it's liberating people saying, if I can come back from this horrific event in my life, trust me, God can lift you. God can lift you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God can do that for you. God can do it for you. Type it in the chat. God can do it for you. He can do it for you. And, and so what you've gone through may be an indicator of what you're called to. In other words, you know, like miscarriages. My wife and I, we, we underwent a bunch of miscarriages early in our lives. But then it was crazy how many people we would meet that were going through the same thing. And we were able to encourage them. You're not alone. You can still have a great marriage. You can still go on. And, and you know there's still hope. And we were able to encourage people. You know, if you've gone through the loss of a business, then you know what that's like. And you're able to come to somebody and say, you know what, I know what that's like. Or you've lost a loved one. You know, you've lost a child or whatever. And all of a sudden now you're teaching grief share. And you're able to help people through their grief because you know the grief. You're able to help people that are going through divorce because you've gone through divorce. Don't Run from your pain, run to the pain and find the purpose in the pain so that God can use it. I'm telling you, people are not impressed with your success. They are impacted by your hurts. It's your hurts that cause people to relate to you. And we've all had pain points. That's the reason why it's terrible to get on social media most of the time. Because people only share their high points. And then you compare your low points to their high points. That's the reason one of the things we're going to talk about over the next 21 days, next Monday, not tomorrow, but next Monday. So I'm giving you a week 
ahead of time notice that a lot of us are gonna get off social, social media for 21 days. I knew it'd be quiet, all right? <laughs> I knew there wouldn't be a lot of shouting right there, okay? Some people at home fell off their sofa, okay? Come on, get back up, get back up, get your phone in your hand, all right? I didn't say you weren't gonna watch the show of the, of the message and everything. You're not gonna miss our, our broadcast. I'm saying that quit spending hours of wasted time comparing yourself to other people's high points and saying all I have are low points. It's not gaining you anything. I, I think it's one of the reasons why we fight depression in our culture more than we ever have. Okay, enough said of that, all right? Here's what you need to do. You need to know your scars. There, there's a story, a fable about the Knights of the Round Table. And, 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 you know, when they would come back from battle, they would look at the guys and they would say, show me your scars. And if they didn't have any scars, they'd say, get back out there. Get back out there. Because you evidently weren't doing too much. Get back out there. And I'm telling you today, show me your scars. Show me your battle wounds where you have allowed the power of God's Holy Spirit to infuse you to the point where you have marched against the gates of hell and done damage for the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness instead of running and hiding or sitting on the sofa or sitting on the sidelines, you have chosen to say, you may have knocked me down, but you have not knocked me out and what you thought was for harm God's going to turn it around for good and help other people. See, you can be an agent of change or an agent of criticism, but it can't be both. It can't be both. And there are a lot of critics out there. And here's what I've noticed is when you stop advancing, that's when you start attacking. My, my parents' generation used to say, if you're busy rowing the boat, you don't have time to rock the boat, right? Everyone has an opinion. But here's what we do with our hurt. We don't complain. We don't use it as an excuse. We say, you know what? I'm going to be involved in divorce care. You know what? I'm going to be involved in grief share. You know what? I'm going to go. I've had such a mess in my finances. I'm going to go to FPU and become a leader in that and show people you can turn it around. You can go from broke to blessed. It is possible. I'm going to go back because I know how important it is to teach children about Jesus. I'm not leaving that up to somebody else will do it. Somebody else will make their way back there and teach those kids about Jesus. No, I believe in it enough. I'm gonna do something about it. I believe that teenagers are in a, such a crucial time of their lives. They're making decisions that could impact and reverberate throughout their lifetime. And because of that, I'm not gonna sit back and let teenagers just drift around and find their way in a mishappened way. I'm not gonna allow that to happen. I'm gonna sign up. I'm gonna be part of CSM, Crossroads Student Ministry, and I'm going to give back to this generation. And if I can help one to escape, I'll have done my part. How many know that's good preaching, whether you act like it or not? All right? God's calling us back to business. Some of you could start a life group. Some of you could start one. You could be trained, you could be, you say, well, I just don't know what I'm supposed to. Well, you might not know today. Moses didn't know today what he was gonna do. 
He didn't know today how to lead two million people out of the most powerful nation on the earth. How do you do that? But God says, I'll tell you how, one step at a time, one day at a time. And see, when you step out, all of a sudden God will step in to your situation. And look what God did in Exodus 4.19. Now, the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt. What? What? I killed a dude there. Buried him. I know where he's at. They didn't dig him up. Go back to Egypt. Isn't that just like God to call you back in your mess? Call you back to rescue your own family? Call you back to rescue people just like you that were messed up? Go back to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. Don't be worried about the opposition, God will take care of the opposition. Don't let other people define you, but they know who I am. They know what I'm like. And God says, don't worry about that. That's gone. That's out of the picture now. You need to go back. And let me tell you something. Chapter four is full of excuses. You know them. I preached on them before where Moses had all these excuses. I can't talk right. I, I'm, I'm not able. I don't even know who you are really. And, and so how am I going to do this? And all, let me tell you something. God knows all about you, yet he chooses you. He chooses you. And why does he choose you? He chooses you. Look at this in verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. God says, I'm going to show my power. Here's the last thing to write down. Is with God, power is for reaching people. Okay, the reason why God gives you power. A few weeks ago, I talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, and we talked about how he comes on us. He infills us. He infuses us. Now, why does he do that? Not so you can have chill bumps, okay? Now, I love, how many love getting some chill bumps every once in a while, you know? I kind of look forward to it. I, I kind of... I kind of look forward to sitting down here and worshiping the Lord. And, mm, yeah, I feel that, you know, that, mm, that song, mm, yeah. And, and that feeling of God is in the house. Come on, somebody, help me. God's in the house. God is here. That, that's great, but I'm telling you, that's not what it's about, the power that God wants to give to you, we learned this a few weeks ago, is to be a witness, he says. To share faith with other people. He gives power for people. The miracles come when we are on mission. Make your life about others. Jesus did. Somebody says, well, I just don't see God doing that kind of stuff in my life. I know you're talking about all these different things that you've seen God do. and all. I just haven't seen God do that in, in my life. Let me just tell you as kindly as I possibly can right now, it's because life's all about you. It's because it's all about you. And when you make your life about you, that's all it is. But when you make your life about others, God says they're going to need some power to do that. They're going to need an infusion of Holy Spirit power in their life. And the Bible says the miracles followed, the signs followed them that believed. In other words, you got to believe and step out first. You don't get to walk on water till you get your foot out of the boat. It doesn't happen sitting in the boat. You, you got to get out of the boat. I love this quote by C.T. Studd. It says, some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. But listen to what he said. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. How many know that is good preaching there? I'm telling you, I love that. 
I don't want to play a safe game. I don't want to go through life just kind of wishy-washy. I don't want to go through life wishing at the end of it that I had stepped out, that I had done something more, that I would had a bigger impact, that I would live in life to the full the way God is able to do. I want to get back in business. I've spent too long in the wilderness wandering around. It's time to get back to what God has for me. So if you aren't serving, go to Growth Track. We'll help you. We'll help you. You can get on the dream team. You can get in a life group if you're not connected. There's no excuse. Not because the church needs it. It's because you need it. You do. You need it. We wouldn't even have heard of Moses if he had stayed out there with those sheep. But he believed God could use simple old him. And if God can use an 80-year-old man, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. You're not giving? Start tithing. Just start. Honor God with your money. You're not inviting people? Listen, we're making it as easy as possible. Next week, I start a new four-week series called CORE. And it's about four key ingredients that I believe you, you have to have to have a vibrant, full life in Jesus. And we're gonna look at the book of Acts because in the book of Acts, these are four things they had. They, put, they did these four things that we're gonna talk about over the next four weeks. Now, here's what will happen. If you'll bring somebody who's not a Christian over the next four weeks, I believe they're either gonna be miserable or they're gonna be a miracle, okay? They're either gonna get saved or they're just gonna be miserable and say, now that I know all that, now I'm really miserable to not commit my life to God. So do all you can. If you're online, share it, share it, share it, share it. Say, for those of you who didn't see when I shared it the other day, I'm sharing it again. Just in case, my friend, call your friends out, tag them. Say, listen to this, watch this, because it's time to get out of the wilderness and get back to business. How many want the doors to open up, right? I'm ready for the business to come back. And there's not a greater business to be about than the business of reaching people for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that there's no one too old, no one too young that you can't use. You use them all. And God, if we just read the Bible, we would see that. Use all kinds of people. And so God, today, you're calling. You're calling for some of us to get back in business. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online. And I don't know where this hits with you. And that's why you need to pray, Holy Spirit, where are you speaking to me today? Maybe it's in your giving. You've been stingy. You've been tempted to hold back, not live a life of faith when it comes to your giving. And, and so maybe that's where it is. Maybe it's inviting people. Maybe you have invited people in the past, but that's been a long past. Today, you need to take that card in hand if you're here in person or online. You need to share with other people. You need to pass the word around. Invite people. Reach out to others. Make a difference. For others of you, you need to volunteer. You need to get active. You need to get off the bench and into the game. 
If you are here today and you say, Craig, there's something I need to do. Maybe it's reading the Bible every day. Maybe it's getting back to praying every day. I don't know what it is. But if you feel God has a next step for you and you need to take it, you need to step out in faith, just raise your hand up toward the Lord right now. Yeah, hands all over this room. Online, just stretch your hand toward the screen. Heavenly Father, I pray for people right now who have allowed others to suit up for the game. They've allowed others to catch the touchdown pass that they should have done. They've allowed others to teach children about Jesus. They've allowed other people to minister to teenagers. They've allowed other people to do things. But God, no longer. Today's the day that we're stepping out. Today's the day we're going we're to start giving, we're going to start living, we're going to start inviting, we're going to start being the church. That We're not going to just go to church, we're going to be the church. And God, we thank you that we're going to find more power than we've ever dreamed in doing that in Jesus' name. While we're still praying, there may be those who are wandering in the wilderness because you've walked away from God. Just like Moses was wandering around out there. Maybe, maybe you used to go to church. Maybe you used to pray. Maybe you used to have some kind of relationship with God. But, but now maybe you don't even know if there is a God. You don't know uh, where your faith is. You don't know. But today, somehow, someway, there's a, just, just a spark. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And if you know that I'm talking to you right now. And God is speaking to you about your relationship with him. If you're in this room, would you raise your hand? Say, yes, that's me. I need God. I don't want to leave here without him. Just raise your hand. If you're online, just type in the chat right now, decided, decided, because you're deciding to follow Jesus today. Pray this prayer with me. I want everyone to pray it to give courage to those around, all right? Let's pray it together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me. I believe his death paid for all my sin. And I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So from this day forward, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in, washing my past away, forgiving me of all my guilt, and setting me free. Fill me with your spirit to give me power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Let's praise him for those who made that declaration today.